0: Hello Internet! I'm Finn Ross Russell. I'm John Lucas. It's Wednesday, May the 11th. Welcome to Turin. We have 10 qualifiers from semi-final one. Coming up, we're hungry for more wolves, we're feeling a bit sentimental, and are we ready to swim the deep again on Saturday? salutations one and all and welcome to turin welcome to wednesday we've seen a blooming eurovision show john we have isn't it great to be back ah so good to be back and you really felt it around the city around the arena you were in the arena
1: yesterday for the show what was the atmosphere like oh it was it was electric you could really feel the, the fans absolute pleasure to be back the excitement Even though there were a lot of kind of more mid tempo songs, there was a lot of energy in the room, lots of stand up and dancing. The Italian hosts and the stage workers were really ramping people up, really working the crowd. It was a great, great, great atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile in the press centre, I mean, it's tricky because it's a very big room, but they're effectively three very big TVs that have the main kind of sound coming out of them and all the others are there and you can see them they're kind of very small but they are slightly out of sync with the other ones and even though a lot of people were kind of watching from kind of far across a room you really sense the kind of excitement and joy about the fact that everyone is here in Turin part of the experience and we're getting to soak up all this wonderful Eurovision
1: stuff, starting with the show last night. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know, as always is the case with Eurovision, you can never predict it completely accurately. <laughs> There's always some surprises. Last night, I think I got seven out of ten in my predictions of who would qualify, but there were some big, big shockers. I think I think last night. But this is what
0: I think is one of the things to love so much about Eurovision. Is I similarly, I wrote down my ten at the end of the show, I was like, I'm absolutely sure I've picked the right 10. I'm absolutely sure all my knowledge of Eurovision is pointing towards this is how it is. But this contest still surprises you and it's not predictable. And I mean, it's interesting to do the comparison to sport, but where a lot of sport maybe is a bit more, oh, well, that team is better and therefore they're just gonna win. We don't know what's gonna go down on the night. We don't know what the tastes of the jury are gonna have been the night before. We don't know what Europe will feel in the mood for until we're seeing those results. And I mean, we'll get on to this result, but wow, what a result is, And, and wow, what a joy that we're not just talking about the kind of, well, this is exactly what we expected to happen, but we're talking about here's something completely different from what we expected.
1: Absolutely, embrace the chaos. It's all part of the experience. Right,
0: with that in mind, let's get to the 10 songs. So we're going to go in the order that they were announced last night. Um, the first country to be announced, again, to much sort of like whoa in the hall and in the press center, was Switzerland. Um, I noticed the projection on this, and it immediately gave me kind of Michael Schulter Germany twenty eighteen vibes in terms of the way it was staged. He clearly is a really good voice. He clearly connected down the camera really, really well. And, you know, I remember in a previous podcast, he said he was trying to come top 10 and you were saying, well, yes, absolutely. You should be trying to come top 10 in this position. Well, he's done it. He sued the grand final.
1: He did. And as you said, this semi-final, I think a lot of people considered it to be quite predictable, wrongly as it turned out. And this was not on a lot of people's lists to make the final. A lot of people kind of, myself included, kind of written this one off as a probable non-qualifier. So when this was the first one to be called out, immediately it was clear that all bets were off.
0: It just goes to show you that the the sad boy as we term it in the eurovision community never goes out of fashion there's always scope and interest out there in a
1: male fronted ballad where he just gets up there and just sings it really really well absolutely and you could see his absolute joy and excitement and i think perhaps surprise on his own part as well when he went through it was one of the biggest reactions of the night from a contestant when he was announced so Yeah, he did it. Um, I do wonder whether this, when we see the breakdown, whether this was a televote or a jury. I suspect this was probably boosted quite significantly by the jury. It was in a quite difficult slot quite early in the show. And it is, as much as these ballads have been popular in the past, obviously Duncan Lawrence won with a sad boy ballad, quote-unquote, with Arcade. I do think the televote appeal for this, I might be completely wrong, we'll find out, might have been a little limited, because it's not the most immediately engaging so it has to kind of sneak up on you um but it is very jury friendly so we'll see who he has to thank for getting through maybe both maybe both
0: um second and possibly a bit less surprising to go through was armenia i mean the staging is quite something isn't it john how was it in the arena
1: yeah i really came to appreciate this when i first saw the stage show in the press center i actually was quite critical of it i felt that it was too static i didn't think that it would look very good in the arena because i assumed because she spends most of it inside kind of a walled kind of fake house made of paper i thought that the the arena would not see anything that we'd just see the walls and then maybe she'd come through at the end Uh, because there was a performance by azerbaijan in 2017 for a song called skeletons that did a similar thing where she was inside an enclosure and from the arena you couldn't see a thing because she was playing to the camera which is a valid way to go about it but as it turned out armenia got the balance perfectly she managed to it was staged in such a way that we could get a good view of the entire performance the, the the house structure that she was in actually turned around which was very impressive it looked fantastic it really created that moment for that last chorus when she comes through and kind of symbolically breaks through to the other side and yeah it was the closer which always is a sweet spot in terms of you know with the audience it's the last one the audience hears they remember it Armenia have had a bad couple of years. Uh, they have—they last qualified in 2017, I believe. Um, so it's been a long wait for them, and I think they'll be very happy to be back in the final, and deservedly so.
0: She mentioned in the press conference yesterday that the little circle bit didn't quite tear away the way that it was supposed to. And I think it speaks very, very well to her as a performer, that even though this is the fourth time that she's done this performance on this stage, and she can almost sort of get into autopilot mode, that actually she had the now to go, ooh, okay, this has happened, this is a bit different, and go, show must go on and kind of tear it off. And the fact is, I wouldn't have noticed anything, be it not for her mentioning it in the press conference, which really speaks to her ability and her now as a
1: performer. Exactly. You've got to be able to roll with the punches. It is live television. Things can go wrong. They will go wrong. You might be surprised by something. And same, she, I didn't pick up on that either. She was considering she's not a particularly um, seasoned performer. I don't think she's done a lot of live performance before this. Um, it's a very, very, speak, as you say, it speaks very well to her that she was able to bounce back from that. And the audience didn't even clock a thing. So great work all around from Rosalind
0: uh third out was iceland i had this in my jukebox jury i said icelandic first aid kit because it had that really nice kind of female fronted scandy folk feel to it and i think that's precisely what would have connected with the votes as just they came on they did their thing they sang it well they connected down the camera and this is going to offer something different on the saturday night
1: yeah i mean if when switzerland were called out people were getting a sense that there was going to be some surprises when Iceland were then called out at number three all bets were off it was was like okay we are losing some favorites here there's going to be some big shockers on this night I think this is a a testament to professionalism as you say they are incredibly professional they are not once in a single rehearsal have they dropped a note or made a mistake they come on and they know exactly what they're doing which speaks to their years of experience on the stage Um, also I think this is a testament listen to your heart not your head sometimes because I've like many people, I really like this song. I think it, I've always thought it was very beautiful, but I've always just thought it's too low key, it won't connect, it won't qualify. And actually, it seems that it, people connected with it. So don't, never make those assumptions. And it's nice for
0: Iceland after everything that they went through with Hattori and everything they went through with Daffy Frey, you know, very, very big, bold, oh goodness, maybe this will win the whole thing, acts. And this is much smaller and it's very different from what an Icelandic offering can be. But it, is testament to that delegation that they were able, well, that over time, just in general, they've been able to take such three different sort of songs and packages over the recent Eurovision period and still be able to get all of them through the semi fairly comfortably, I'd say. And next out the hat, we had Lithuania. Um, I said yesterday on the podcast that this would go through because it was elegant, because it was classy, because it was stylish, and I definitely think that's what people connected to uh, when they were voting for this.
1: Yeah, for sure. This one had a lot of issues with the staging with the rehearsal process, but again, professionalism, professionalism, professionalism. Monica is a very established performer in in Lithuania she's a big name it was actually considered quite a coup that the broadcaster were able to get her involved this year I think the success of the route last year has really opened doors for some of those bigger names in Lithuania to see the benefit so again this is what I'd kind of written off it wasn't in my 10 in terms of expected qualifiers because they did have some problems and again it was quite low key but I think it's a I think the Lithuanian delegation will be rightfully celebrating and it's very good news for them and probably bodes very well for the quality of their future entries. They seem to be on a real upward curve at the moment and I don't think it's this year but I would not be surprised at all if Lithuania had their first winner in the next five years or so. I
0: don't think I've seen anyone more excited in a qualifiers press conference
1: than she was last night well yeah i think she, i think she had probably picked up on the sense that her momentum felt like it was slipping with the press and with the fans so i think she was emotionally preparing herself to not qualify and that's always a very sweet moment when somebody who's expecting the worst actually gets the best result and you're right she was she said herself she was drunk she'd had a few drinks and why not she just didn't have to reprise the performance and she was just having a great time she was very funny and charming uh, number five to be announced last night was Portugal.
0: And I don't think any of us really had a doubt that this wasn't going to qualify. That staging is so unique. You can see how it picks up with jury and televote. I had a look at the iTunes chart even in the UK and Sodada Sodada was charting the highest of last night finalists only behind Give That Wolf a Banana, which I think is very impressive. And I have a sneaky feeling that when we get the full result on the final, that this is going to do even better than
1: than maybe we expect even now. Yeah, I said on yesterday's podcast, I believe, that I predicted that this would be top five in this semi, and I stand by that. This was the first one after quite a run of surprising qualifiers, Lithuania, Switzerland and Iceland all surprised me, there was a bit of a sigh of relief when this went through. Okay, we're not completely through the looking glass here. Um, yeah, this absolutely deserved to qualify, it was beautifully realised a really full and rich performance. And Portugal now have qualified two years in a row, which by their standards is actually very good. They've only once done better than that between 2008 and 2010. They had three qualifiers in a row, so one more and they can match the best streak of the semi-final era. It also just goes
0: to show you I mean, aside from the fact that I feel like Portugal are getting a knack for being able to really stage their entries well, we saw that with the Black Mamba last year as well. That this seems to be becoming a pattern of taking a song that maybe isn't immediately a kind of, oh yeah, that's competitive for Eurovision, and staging it in such a way that it's not for Portugal, it's for Europe. And therefore that Europe is more likely to understand the message behind it, understand the vibe, and to be able to go for it. And it just goes to show. When you go
1: for bold choices at Eurovision, it really pays off. Absolutely. And I think what Portugal have mastered in the past few years since they won with Salvador Sobral is that they have really nailed that very difficult tightrope of sending songs that sound and are authentically Portuguese. This song could not be from any other country but Portugal. It's not just because of the language. It's got that real vibe. It's got that very laid-back Lisbon vibe, and it is it really showcases their music and their national selection um, Festival de Canção is one of the best of of every given year and it's one of the most distinctive because it is all about a very specifically Portuguese well many very specifically Portuguese styles of music it's very diverse but it's not one where you get lots of songs written by Swedes and Danes and you know songs that could kind of come from anywhere they all are just imbued with a real sense of Portugal's rich musical history and I think that is why they have Cracked the code a little bit, and have started to start to do really, really well in recent years.
0: Speaking of countries that have been doing very, very well in recent years, do you have any new superlatives to describe how well Norway have done with these wolves from the moon this year? Oh,
1: I mean, the, the the wolves have landed. The eagle has landed with this one for sure. They they've had you know they've had the benefit of a big national final in Norway to get ready for the big stage. They're both established performers on the moon or off. It's really, really. All came together. This is going to be the now that one of the other party songs we'll discuss later, as has now sadly, left us. This and Moldova, who we'll talk about in a moment, is going to be one of the big, grand final party songs of the night, and I expect a big televote for this. I think
0: what's so impressive about noise because you're right, this performance has been ready to go for ages. As soon as we saw it in the MGP final, we were like, "Yep, yeah, that's pretty good to go for the Eurovision stage." but the norwegian delegation have played an absolute blinder with the press game this translator is almost beginning to feel like a character in and of himself and he adds something to the package and the vision of these wolves that is is so much fun to watch you just can't keep your eyes off them you just can't not want to keep looking at their social media and seeing what crazy thing they're gonna be doing next. Even during their section of the allocation draw yesterday, they had a kind of physical comedy thing going on where they were dropping the piece of paper and they were looking it up and they were reacting to it and they were being very physical with their expressions. And it's just beautiful, speaking as a theater maker, to see an artist commit to a character and not only commit all the time, every time, at every opportunity that they're in the public eye from a Eurovision perspective, but to get the delegation and to get everything else on board in a way that says, yeah, we're all on board with this, we do this together
1: and we go out to Eurovision as this character. It's really difficult, I think, to do a comedy, because this is a comedy entry, let's make no bones about it, but it's incredibly difficult, I think, to do a comedy entry that doesn't feel like it's condescending to the contest a little bit. You know, a lot of the times I'm thinking of dusting the turkey for Ireland. Um, there's been several UK entries, I think, a bit like this, where a comedy entry can read of as a country kind of giving up and thinking, well, we don't do well, so let's just send something, you know. It can kind of play to a delegation's worst influences and to a broadcaster's worst influences and worst instincts. This is the opposite of that. This is such a good example of committing to the bit and having fun and being comedic but not just being a joke like they are in, they're infused about this and they are telling a story from start to finish and it, it this is how you do it. if you're going to do a comedy song and every year needs a comedy song every year needs a bit of fun this is you could write a dissertation on all the things norway have got right this year this is how you do a comedy your original song
0: but see even though like okay there are clearly elements about it that are a bit funny and a bit ridiculous and that make you go really should this work I could 100% see DJs across Europe playing this in clubs. I could 100% see producers wanting to remix this and do fun things with it and put it out there. It's not like, again, you could take Dust in the Turkey, you could take Scooch, where it's like you'll listen to it and you'll smile at it because you're like, ah, oh, that's fun there's genuinely a sense that the production on this is really strong and i think ultimately that's what voters connected
1: with with this song last night absolutely you're right it's it's not just absolutely right and that's what i mean when i say that a joke entry doesn't just have to be one-dimensional because yeah there's musicality behind this it's not just a piece of novelty fluff there, there is a really good dance beat behind this. And you're right, I'll be interested to see how this performs in the charts after the contest, whether this is one of the breakout hits, because I suspect it might well have a bit of an afterlife. 100 uh, percent.
0: Number seven to be announced was Greece. Um, we were pretty confident on yesterday's podcast that this will have done very, very well with the juries. But I have a feeling with the way that that note at the end was reacted to in the press centre and the hall as well, that this probably picked up a fair few televotes as well.
1: Absolutely. For me, there are three songs that potentially won last night's semifinal, and we'll obviously see when we get the breakdown. I might be completely off base here, but I think the three that could have potentially won the semi-final are Ukraine, who we'll discuss, Portugal, or this. This I think was a clear standout on the night, and you're right, I think it hits that sweet spot between Televote Appeal and Jury Appeal. Greece are going to do very well this year, for sure.
0: Um, let's get on to Ukraine, because there's a lot to say with Ukraine. How
1: was the reaction in the hall when they took to the stage? Again, really went big in terms of the audience. Obviously, understandably, a huge amount of support for them. Everybody stood up, everybody was cheering, everybody was clapping. It was exactly the kind of chills moment you would expect. Um, you know, it, that everyone's gonna know when Kalusha Orchestra step onto the stage, What exactly what that represents and what that means. And it's only gonna be a bigger moment in the grand final for sure.
0: I think And I noted this in the spotters guide yesterday what they did so well was they were able to harness that energy in the arena and put it into their performance there are about a million different reasons why the occasion might have felt overwhelming why they might have crumbled under the pressure why they might have been nervous as I think a lot of artists were last night but they really didn't. In the same way that Jamala was able to do in 2016, they felt the room, they felt the energy, they felt kind of what was inside them in terms of everything that's been going on in the country. And they created a performance that really connected well down the camera to audiences at home.
1: Absolutely, and I think the tone of this performance is really important because in ukraine's national selection the initial song that was supposed to go but actually had to withdraw due to some issues was a much more mournful ballad that obviously it was written and recorded before the current situation in ukraine but it certainly would have parallels would have been drawn this song is so much more celebratory and it has a real defiant feeling it has a feeling of standing up against adversity and that I think is exactly the right tone for Ukraine to be striking this year. And I think that is going to resonate a lot more than if they had sent a song that was a little bit more depressing. There is there is a celebratory vibe to this, which I think will really serve them incredibly well. And like Portugal, Ukraine are very good at sending entries that feel authentically and are authentically Ukrainian and have a real national flavor in the instrumentation. It's in the Ukrainian language. You know, it, this it, this is really from top to bottom, it is a statement of intent.
0: Um, Number nine to be announced was Moldova. Um, I mean, again, this doesn't feel like one that we were really in doubt about at all. It probably picked up a lot of jury votes, it probably picked up a lot of televotes as well. But I think the real thing for us to note is that in both the press centre and in the arena, this felt like the one that got everyone on their feet and dancing.
1: This was the dark horse of this semi final. This went so big, I cannot describe how big this went in the arena. It were everyone on their feet it's such high energy you can really see that zob zob this is their third time they've they're one of two artists I've, I've read today who have competed in three different decades the other was sweden's corolla who was in the 80s the 90s and the noughties uh zob, zob have now performed in the 2000s the 2010s and now in the 2020s they know what they're doing they can they didn't have a lot of stage props going on they didn't have a lot of pyro or um, visual gimmicks it was just them on the stage but they absolutely just bring the energy. All they need is themselves.
0: The other stat that I saw going around, which I was very impressed by, is that they've qualified three times out of a semi, which is amazing. Like, to compete in three different decades is one thing, but to make your way out of a semi-final three different times, I mean, that's just wow, isn't it?
1: Well, especially because Moldova don't have a particularly... They have a good qualification record, but they're not a country that can go in with a clear advantage of 50 or so points like they they really need to earn every qualification that they get and i think yeah zob have become they're they're old reliable and i wouldn't be surprised if they did a fourth time maybe in another 10 years maybe we'll see them in their zimmer frames in 2050 they'll still be doing it and they'll probably still have more energy than artists half their age and romani
0: agapov will still have the charisma of a supermodel he really will i mean even in the press conference he is just so engaging to watch and look at and see perform and it is he almost feels ageless he almost feels like he could come back in 20 30 years as a a little bit older and still deliver a performance that was extremely high quality on this stage
1: yeah i I get the feeling that they're kind of like the moldovan red hot chili peppers And he is the Anthony Kiedis. He'll still be doing it well into his 60s and 70s, I'm sure. The final qualifier to go through was the Netherlands. Um, What did you make of this one? Always that tense moment with the last envelope, because there were quite a few favorites that still hadn't been drawn out. We had Albania, who were expected to go through. We had Latvia. We had Slovenia. We had Denmark. We had a lot of countries that could have taken this spot. So I think it was squeaky bum time for the Netherlands, for sure. I'm sure they were very nervous. But yeah, I think this was a clear favorite to go through. It really worked on the night. It was again, very simple, very sparse. Talk about a complete contrast to Moldova in terms of tone though. This was beautifully delivered down the camera. And I think again, this was a victory for professionalism and for kind of, for want of a better word, like emotional authenticity.
0: Anybody who's on Twitter, go and track down ESC discord because they put out an amazing thread yesterday of the announcement of each of the semi-finalists that qualified from their broadcaster. And I think the Dutch was the most amusing because it went on for a minute. They took quite a long pause to announce that the Dutch had gone through. And in the build up to that, there was a lot of the two commentators being very doubtful, being like, oh, well, you know, that was it. And then realizing they're going, yes, yes, okay, great, never in doubt, it was always going to happen. <laughs> and yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's just a really nice resource to have. But also, I'm really happy that this went through for that Dutch language thing. This is the first time in a while that the Netherlands have sent an entry in Dutch. She is fantastic as a performer. She really felt the emotion last night of the performance. And again, It's that bold choices thing, it just goes to show you when you go for something and commit to it and really
1: commit to it, voters across Europe recognize that. Yeah, you're right. The Netherlands haven't sent an entry in Dutch since 2010. Uh, that was Sia and that did not qualify. Um, they probably haven't had... I don't believe the Dutch language has appeared in the final. I might be wrong, but off the top of my head, it might be since 1998 with Ed Celia Rombly. I can't think of another one from Belgium or the Netherlands that has been in the native language that got through. I may be wrong, though. Don't, I've not had a chance to fact-check that. But it's a very healthy result because this has been a huge hit in the Netherlands at home. And so, again, this is going to encourage more high-caliber Dutch artists who, I mean, if Duncan Lawrence didn't convince them already, I think S10 has really shown now, there is a lot of a lot of benefits to be had in, if you're a Dutch artist who's got a record label who is in the charts already, Eurovision is a big path to global exposure, even if you are primarily in your native language. And this is a great, great showcase for the Dutch language, which we very seldom hear in chart hits outside of Belgium and Denmark. So, Belgium and outside of Belgium and the Netherlands.
0: right that was the countries that did go through we have to talk about the elephant in the room that this was a bit of a surprise result last night i think whether you're a fan whether you're the bookmakers whether you're some of the artists that was not necessarily the list that we expected and there were a lot of a very specific type of song that weren't qualifying last night what do you think this result means for the wider contest as a whole in terms of
1: what it could possibly mean for this result, I think it's going to be really interesting, A, to see what the breakdown is in the second semi final when we get those other 10 qualifiers, and also to see what the split between the televotes and the juries are, because I suspect that some of the more surprising qualifiers I'm thinking of Switzerland, I'm thinking of Iceland, I'm thinking of Lithuania may have had quite a significant jury boost as opposed to their televotes. Uh, We know that the juries tend to focus much more on vocal capacity and on professionalism. They're not as big on kind of fun, bright pop songs. And we saw Albania and Latvia and Austria all going out with up-tempo pop songs in a semi-final that didn't have a lot of up-tempo pop songs. The final is now looking quite mid-tempo, especially that first half when a lot of the songs that qualified last night drew the first half in the running order. Um, so the, it, for the show of the final to have a good sense of energy, the producers are going to have to be very clever about where they place everything. It does concern me a little bit. I think everyone who qualified deserved to qualify. This is no slight on them. And you could certainly probably go back and look at the non-qualifiers and see very explicable reasons why it might not have connected. But I do wonder if the jury focusing so strongly on quote-unquote professionalism, um, not that that's a bad thing, but is that in danger of kind of pulling us back to the kind of mid nineties Eurovision when it was all a little bit middle of the road and there wasn't a lot of energy. Um, That is a problem. When you've got an artist who's as famous as Lumix, who is literally in the UK charts, in the world charts right now, for him to be, for him to agree to come to Eurovision was a massive coup for the Austrian broadcaster. And for him to not qualify, I think bodes quite poorly for them to get artists of that caliber again. Because if you are on his level, if you're especially if you're a dance DJ like he is, if you're looking at the contest and looking at what happened to him and to Pierre Maria last night, um, you, you might be forgiven for thinking, well, what's the point?
0: We've been watching this contest a long time. And again, as we mentioned before, we like to feel like we're experts and we like to feel like we know everything. And then inevitably every year we get surprised and we're like, oh, okay, we didn't expect that to go through. And oh, look, that made it through. That's interesting. Um, and of course, a lot of the time that's taste based. Do you think possibly this result might be an indicator that Ukraine has done really, really well with the televote? That those songs that maybe would normally be a bit more televote friendly, that voters across Europe just said, well, this is a nice song, but with Ukraine it's about more than the act. It's about a show of solidarity and support.
1: Well, I think there's no question that Ukraine will have had a massive televote last night and will get a very significant televote in the final. I don't know if. That is necessarily the main reason why so many other up-tempos didn't go through because there's still the same amount of points to be spread around the different countries. Um, I wonder if perhaps Norway took a lot of points away from Latvia, potentially, and Moldova as well. I think, you know, it, maybe the up-tempo votes were kind of concentrated on those three countries, on Ukraine, Norway and Moldova, to the detriment of Latvia and Austria and some of the other more fun performances in Albania that didn't go through. Well I suppose we'll have to wait and see and speaking of waiting and see
0: we have a whole nother semi-final to come over the next few days which we'll be previewing on tomorrow's podcast Um, so much so we're very excited we're going into the arena together to see the rehearsal later today Um, and I suppose we'll have a little bit more indication on what the tastes are what goes through what doesn't then. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to our podcast episode today. Uh, Special shout out to anybody who's listening on the podcast radio. It's great to have you with us. And if you watch the show on Tuesday night, we hope you really enjoyed it and had a fantastic time. Um, We are on the ground every day this week. So if you have questions, comments, if you've got uh, things you disagree with that you want to point out, please send anything to admin at ESCinsight.com and we will respond to it live sort of ish (laughs) on the podcast um right i think that'll do us john do you want to call for bring on the guitars you've been listening to the esc insight daily news podcast hosted by finn russell and john lucas find out more by heading to escinsight.com and support the work we do at patreon.com slash insight.